Today's podcast is brought to you by Clean Energy. Guys, you know I've been using Clean Energy for many months now and it has become a staple within my training and in my life. If you're not familiar with Clean Energy, it is a clean label certified organic smoothie and a single serve packet that changes the paradigm for on-the-go sports nutrition. As I'm sure many of you guys are aware, many energy bars, drinks, and gels today contain added sugars and lab-created ingredients, whereas Clean Energy contains only organic fruits and vegetables. And just one year since its launch, Clean Energy is used by athletic departments across the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 conferences. Clean Energy has been recognized by Runner's World in their annual fitness awards as a, quote, best food to eat before a run, and I couldn't agree more. I have Clean Energy before many of my runs, and I also have them after my runs. The convenience of the single-serve packet mixed with the healthy ingredients and delicious taste makes this a big winner in my book, and that's why I incorporate it every day into my training and into my life. Clean Energy is shelf-stable for months, durable, and portable for wherever and whenever you go. Clean Energy is healthy energy for the long run of life. You guys can find Clean Energy's incredible product today at cleansmoothie.com and on Amazon by searching for Clean Energy Smoothie. I've also left a link in the show notes and hope you guys will check out this incredible product that has become a staple within my training. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Schleter, and I'm very excited you've clicked on today's episode because it is an absolutely fascinating one and one that I walked away from with a lot of newfound knowledge on a particular subject, the subject being fueling, the concept of fueling, what it is, and kind of all things within it. I tackle this subject with the one and only Brian Livingston. Brian is the West Coast Marketplace lead from Morton, if I'm not mistaken. He's also a very accomplished runner in his own right with a marathon PR of 221. In today's conversation, some of the subjects that are covered uh, are the importance of fueling, the myth of carbs being bad for you, the science of digestion, how fueling impacts recovery, your brain burning calories, baking soda and relational lactic acid, and many more interesting things. I absolutely love this conversation. And again, there's nothing like learning a new thing and being able to tell your friends or teammates about, you know, hey, I learned this. So today's conversation was absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was really enjoyable to learn about the science of fueling. And I'm certainly going to take a lot of these principles as I go forward in my training and racing in the months and years to come. One quick disclaimer is that today's conversation is not sponsored by Morton. I have worked with them in the past and I do currently use their products as I believe they're the best in the business, but it's not sponsored by Morton, even though Brian works for the company and I use their product. Today's conversation is not sponsored by them and it is merely a conversation all around fueling with Morton being brought up a decent amount because I use it and Brian works for them. And then my one final note for you is that I would greatly appreciate it if you give us a follow, a five-star review and share today's episode or any of the episodes you've enjoyed in the past with a friend, a family member, or teammate. With all of those notes aside, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the one and only the man, the myth, the legend, the incredibly intelligent Brian Livingston. Brian, welcome back to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Let's just go way back in the day. Brian, take us through your start in the sport all the way up to present day, how you got started in the sport of running and kind of your journey and progression through the sport. I know that's a very wide question and could probably be a podcast in and of itself. So feel free to tackle the question however you want to. 
Yeah, you know, I my my journey is probably sounds uh, hopefully like a lot of others out there where I wasn't great at team sports. I was the last one picked for basketball or any 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 of those sports. Uh, the ball would hit me more in the head than I than I could catch it. Uh, but I had a great coach that recognized that I could do more pull-ups than anyone, more push-ups than anyone, more chin-ups and sit-ups and said, hey, you might not be great at team sports, but you're very good at working with your own body weight. You've got a high weight to power ratio. And that is the key in being a great distance runner. And I also had the fortune of uh, uh, seeing him compete in two Olympic trials. So it was very inspirational uh, to have uh, this this guy as my coach. Um, and he just floated. I mean, when you talk about just your your feet never landing firm, being firmly on the ground, that that was him. That was Kush, uh, Christian Cushing Murray, uh, uh, cordially known as Kush. And uh, he, uh, he he inspired me. He equipped me with the tools to uh, not only be a great runner, but establish just a, a, a long term love for running that keeps me keeps me running today. Within your own running career, when you reflect back on it uh, in your many years of success within the sport and ups and downs within the sport, as they inevitably come with every single runner's journey and progression. What are some of the most memorable moments? You recently had a daughter. So as she grows up, what are some of the moments that you're going to want to tell her about? Yeah, I, I think the the first time you race and you actually see that you're good at good at it. I remember I was down in Pasadena at the uh, at, at my first invitational and it was hot as all hell. Um, but finishing third in that race and being like, wow, I'm actual, I, I'm actually good at this is, is sort of an epiphany that you have and just makes you hungry to train more. And uh, I, I, I would say my senior year of coming uh, of after spending a year abroad in Australia, where uh, when you, when you study abroad, it, study needs to be very loosely <laughs> because it's really a big boondoggle. Uh, and, but, and I recommend it for anyone doing it, but I basically became a running bum for a year and, uh, and, and got to know a really great uh, running community there and got, got really good. My, my junior year abroad and came back my senior year, uh, I ran for uh, the University of Southern California, not known as a distance school. So I was a small fish in a in a I was a big fish in a in a small pond, essentially in the in the distance running uh, uh, cohort of the of the team. Uh, and we had a race against um, I remember Indiana and BYU, and I took first in the five k. Uh, and uh, I think I ran about fifteen twelve. Uh, so not, by all means, not, nothing flash, but just winning that race at a, for a school where distance running is not not known. And we actually clinched the meet with that. I remember it needed my points in the 5K plus uh, a win in the discus. And I remember sitting on the grass after my 5K, just basking in my own symphony, watching <laughs> us win the discus and then being carried on the shoulders of champions uh, at the time uh, that would go on to the Olympics. To complete to, to compete in uh, in in Athens late in in, in two in, in a couple of years from then, that was that was great. I remember I didn't even have to listen to music in my car for the next couple of days because you just have that symphony <laughs> going in, in in your head. Brian, mutual friend and former podcast guest Zachary Barker. In my conversations with him, I'm recalling he's told me your marathon PR before, and I've always been astounded by it, but I don't quite remember what it is. I'm pretty sure it's sub 220. Is that correct? 
almost. Around 221, which oh I would gosh. consider, uh, but this was at Los. This was at the LA Marathon. So I'm a L, I'm an LA native, and that's why I'm a high energy guy. It's always 72 <laughs> degrees uh, outside and in my head. And uh, an LA Marathon was uh, for for me just a good opportunity to sleep in my own bed and and run a marathon on home on home soil. And that's where my best time is. It, when I ran it, it was a very hilly course that would go through down the downtown area. So I would say on a, on a Chicago or a CIM and with super shoes uh, and a fueling strategy, it's definitely a 220, but we didn't have any of these things. Uh, just for context, this was back in 2008 or nine. And uh, the best shoe we had at that time was the uh, Lunar Racer. And Nike had come out with the Lunar Lawn Foam. And I remember that feeling so bouncy and, <laughs> I, and I said, Oh, I, I, I can, all my sub five, all my fit, all my five K's that year were under 15. All my 10 K's were under 30 that year on the road. And I was like, wow, this is the revolution. This is so, this is so springy. And uh, yeah, so that, that was what we ran in. We had the, we had the, the lunar lunar racer. So you just mentioned the shoe aspect of it. What was the fueling aspect of it? Were you even aware of fueling or was it just, hey, I'm going to grab the Gatorade cup on the side of the road during whatever pit stop 12 and 18. And that's the extent of my fueling. Yeah, we had very rudimentary understanding of it and mainly through uh, getting in calories through drink. So gels were on the scene somewhat, but I think we always were trying to uh, combine hydration with fueling simultaneously. And so the best part of marathon is, is the preparation phase right before the race where the elite uh, elites get together and they make their bottles. And it's like an arts and crafts session where you get to put pipe cleaners and flags. And gosh, I just saw a runner in Japan with like a full garland, <laughs> you know, bent around a hanger that uh, you, it's impossible to miss this thing, right? But uh, yeah, that, that was the most important thing, not just to have the fuel, but to make sure you had an apparatus to be able to, to, to grab it. But I do remember uh, um, at that LA Marathon 221 feeling like I could have run quicker if I didn't miss a bottle, um, which I did uh, right around, right before entering downtown. And I remember going through that eight minute purple patch there of not bonking, but you are transitioning to fat. And, and completely out of glycogen and a good runner that's fat adapted uh, at the time, we didn't, we didn't have, you know, the knowledge of carbohydrate fueling uh, in, in perpetuity. We always, uh, we always uh, surrendered to this idea of you're going to run out of glycogen, you're going to run out of carbohydrate fuel, get used to running on fat and, and, and get used to it so that you don't slow down too much. You're going to slow down, forget running, forget running negative splits, but just try to make the best of it. And so instead of bonking, all runners would go through this anywhere from four to eight minute patch where you're feeling kind of woozy and you transition over to your fat stores and you can finish, uh, but you just can't finish strong. And I always said to myself, man, if I could just have a better fueling strategy where I could just feel kind of that running effect, right? You're, you're the name of your podcast. Uh, there's a writer that lives here in Portland named Peter Bromka, and he talks about the majesty of effortless strides. And you know, in order to have that, you've, you've got to be one in the zone. Uh, and, but two, 
running on carbohydrates because that that's the best way to maintain that steady flow of go rather than kind of this trudgingness that happens when you're trying to metabolize fat which we know the body's got tons of but it but it shuttles six time it takes six times as long to shuttle a fat uh fat fat calorie than it does to shuttle a carb calories fast forward 10 years brian Fast when forward. was fast forward? When was the first time you heard of Morton? And from that time that you heard it, whenever that was, take me through the journey to actually start working for them. Yeah, so I was uh, living uh, living in Portland, and uh, funnily enough, working for Nike at the time. And uh, Nike, as you know, got involved in a in this first sub two hour project with Elliot Kipchoge. And my wife um, also works for Nike on the running team, and she had the she had the pleasure of actually being part of that experience, designing it and going to Monza and see it happen. And so I got to have a peek under the hood at that whole experience and saw how Nike was working with. Um, all kinds of different technology partners, one being Morton on the fueling front, looking at how can we help athletes to break through um, to new, new best through, through the fueling aspect of, of training. And that's where I'd heard of Morton. And we were lucky enough to be able to get some samples spread around and we didn't know how to mix it. We didn't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, as, as most people, their, their first port of call is how do you actually pronounce the name? Is it Martin? <laughs> is it Morton? We can go into that. But uh, yeah, I was um, running with the Bowerman track club, not the, not the elite group, but we had a sub elite group made up of employees on campus that would get together and still, you know, run uh, pretty competitive uh, races and, and times. And so we were first adopters of it. And uh, so I had, I, I, I started using it and understanding how it worked and understanding the science behind it. And that's something that I really thought was cool too, because as I um, moved on, moved over to Berlin, uh, to live for for two years, I uh, with with my wife again working for Nike. We had more intersections with Morton, and I saw one thing that they did differently than other companies is they had their nutritionists actually get on to uh, podcasts and uh, and and different symposiums and seminars with runners to talk through the science, talk through the what I learned to uh, uh, know is the fuel guide. Um, to understand there's actually a strategy, there's intervals at which you can take uh, take fueling products to optimize uh, your carbohydrate burn. So um, I thought that that I thought that that was really unique. Um, and I, I and, and I think today is a testament to continuing on with that legacy of, you know, we're not it's not a product company so much as it is a problem focused company. We, we don't create products unless we see a problem. And so we'll create a product, but we, but I think for us, a home run is making sure our, our, the athletes that use us understand the why and not, not just the what, and it's not just a banana burst or strawberry razzmatazz, you know, go, uh, taste we're flavorless and right. And so, uh, uh, customers want to understand geez, it, it doesn't taste like anything. It's nothing that I'm used to before, but I know it works, right? And even the Kenyans call us the magic The magic drink is the best <laughs> word to describe us because we're just this energy that you, you feel that gives you the majesty of effortless strides. Brian, you ready to dive into some science? Ready for science class? Let's do it. Okay, first question for you. Let's, uh, let's go into some misconceptions. I think the first one we got to clear up 
is something that I think a lot of younger runners fall into as they're starting to get more serious in the sport with the crazy culture that's Instagram and TikTok and people trying to get views and clicks. I have heard, and I know runners who believe this ideology, that carbs are bad for you. You should stay away from carbs. They're going to make you gain weight. They're not actually good for your running performance. Can you clear up this myth for us? I know it's a four-letter word, especially where I'm from in California, right? Uh, but carbs are essential for uh, for for running at a high intensity. And for your for for your listeners, you know, I know that we're not just showing up; we're we're breaking through. And carbs are the carbs are your go energy. Fats your slow energy. Carbs are your go energy. And so for you know, you 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 asked me, you know, when uh, when should we do this podcast? And uh, I and you gave me a couple dates, like far out in September. I said uh, maybe I'll have a little bit more time to prepare. But I said no, we got to go now, uh, while athletes are coming out of their summer base training and coming into their in season training because we've got Dellinger in a couple of weeks, we've got Nuttycomb in a couple of weeks, right? And and I said we've got to uh, we've we've got to get runners uh, back on the carbohydrate kick to make them understand the importance of fueling with carbohydrates. Because we know that during summer, it's great. You take the watch off uh, and you go out and you run for fun, run with your dog. And, you know, there's no metrics associated with it. And I would argue that for these runs, you don't necessarily need to fuel even, you know, have a, have a high carbohydrate diet. The intensity is typically in a zone one or zone two where the body can utilize um, fat, and uh, you can you can you can burn this as a burn this as an energy source, and you can actually become somewhat of a fat adapted athlete, which has some merit to it because it ultimately makes you a better carb burning athlete when it does come to burning carbs. But there is but there is a limit to that, and I think as we start to transition into season where we're training and tempo runs start to kick on, fart leg runs start to kick on. Uh, uh, interval training starts to kick on. We start to travel into these zone three, zone four, and zone five areas. And if we're just used to fueling with fueling with that, avoiding carbs, or you know, getting carbs from just a regular balanced diet, which is great, but not having a supplementary plan for carbs, we're not able to really push those zone three, zone four, zone fives as well as we can. So we're really trying to mitigate underperformance by introducing a carbohydrate fuel plan into your training to help cater to these zone three to zone five, zone five intensities. Is the body is very um, stingy with how it wants to utilize energy, specifically with carbs. Carbs are a survival energy for us, so we store them. We don't know when we're going to fight the next lion. We don't know when we're going to have to fight, uh, run from the next tribe. So we store these carbs. We have enough available in our liver, but we store the rest in our muscles. And so if we're not fueling with, with, with carbs and we're not giving our body carbs, the body sort of has this cut, cut off to say, I know you want to go, Dom, but... I'm going to give you fat because I don't know when you're going to have to fight the next lion. I don't know when you're going to have to run from the next tribe. So you're going to, you're going to run on fat. And so many athletes become accustomed to running fast on fat. And, and I would argue that a lot of athletes can run fairly steady on fat, but they can't run fast on, on fat. And to be able to run fast and to race and close gaps and win races, you need to be able to run on, on carbohydrates. So, it's a good word. 
we need we need carbs we need sugar it's about understanding though how to utilize how, how to how to apply those sugars for the right intensity the right duration and to ultimately complement it with a real food um strategy of you know uh, uh whole whole foods of whole grains and beans and legumes and all these other kinds of uh, things that give us nutrients. Can you dive deeper into the aspect of, okay, let's say someone does think carbs are good for them and accepts that fact and ideology. And so they're approaching that from the perspective of getting carbs within their diet, eating potatoes, rice, pasta, you know, throughout the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, oatmeal, toast, whatever it might be, they're getting carbs in their diet. And they're maybe hearing about fueling and gels and drinks as we'll get into later for the first time and maybe thinking to themselves, I'm getting enough carbs within breakfast, lunch, and dinner that I don't feel like I need to, uh, you know, supplement before, during, and after my workout. Can you kind of dive deeper into that science of why it is important to supplement with carbs, specifically within a session where, I mean, at least I've never seen someone like eat a slice of bread midrep, right? It's just not a convenient thing to do. And also doesn't digest as well as we'll get into. Well, I love that. I love how you just finished there with digestion. And I love the foods that you mentioned of these longer chain carbohydrates like potatoes, which are brimming with carbohydrates, but that they're longer chain, they take a longer time to digest. So I love that we're able to lead with these foods for our main meals in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The issue again, though, is that your body only, as I said, gives you just enough to what it thinks you're going to need to be able to survive and it, and it store and it stores the rest. And when it comes to when it comes to sessions, uh, as much as we want to uh, think that we can pull on these carbohydrates that we got from potatoes and 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 these and these longer chain whole grain types of, uh, of, of meals, um, the body actually wants quick sugars. And this is the point of difference that, that Morton provides is we're a monosaccharide sugar. So pure glucose, fructose, these break down very, very quickly. It's the stuff that, you know, your mom and dad said, don't pour on top of your cereal because I want you paying attention in class which uh, uh, yeah, yeah can, can be a double-edged sword. Uh, we don't want, ever want to take these sugars when we're sitting down on the couch and watching TV because this is going to make us spike and crash. But in running, in performance, remember that the uh, parasympathetic nervous system shuts down the insulin response. And instead of making the, having those sugars drive you crazy, they get applied to your performance. They get applied to, to your exercise. And so you're feeling those sugars immediately mainline themselves into the bloodstream to, to, to drive that. That's why it's important to have um, these shorter chain supplementary carbohydrates in the monosaccharide form to be able to, to fuel these high, intensi these high intensity efforts that are going to happen during practice. I would say the other thing is, is it, it's very, you, you think, oh, I had a big dinner last night. I'm going for a run in the morning. So I've got all those carbs stored. I'm going to be able to use those on the run in the morning. Not true. So a lot of those carbs that we have for dinner overnight go to repair uh, all of the all of your body systems, your muscles. You're using them to to, to think as well um, and dream. And so uh, you wake up in the morning and you may feel somewhat satiated, but from a carb standpoint. A lot of those carbs have been stored up and or and and really again only a small utilizable amount is available for you. 
there's a need to top up that tank in the morning, especially for a long run or if, if you're doing a session. I would say the same for even uh, the, the, the student in class that has a good size lunch, but still has two to three periods before practice. Sometimes, you, you know, you're like, I had, a, I had a good lunch. I had a nice sandwich. I had some tabbouleh. I had some hummus and crackers and all that. And I'm good. But you're not just a high performance runner. You're a high performance thinker too. And doing quadratic formulas in class and talking about Dostoevsky and all these things, this burns carbs. And so you're, you're going to get to practice feeling a little bit uh, depleted. I think, the, again, th those carbs that you had for lunch, they're still there, but there's a need to top up. Again, especially if we are doing a high-intensity session. If it's just, if coach is just giving you a recovery run for 45 minutes, probably no need to, to, to fuel with a gel or anything kind of that, that really quick form. A solid afterwards in the car ride home to prevent you from getting hangry so uh, you, can, you can do your homework and not yell at mom or dad when it's time for dinner is great. But no need to necessarily fuel with gels. But if this session is going to be high intensity, there is definitely merit to topping up that tank uh, with, with, with gels uh, or drink mix to get at least 40 grams of carbohydrate back into, uh, back into your body, mainly to replenish that liver glycogen that, as I said, goes so quick when you're just thinking, you're walking. It's just it, you, you, you use, you still, your body still calls on this energy fairly regularly. Brian, forgive me for going off the beaten track, but when you were talking about uh, the class and using your brain to think through quadratic formulas and whatnot, it reminded me, have you ever seen this statistic about chess players and how they burn 3,000 to 5,000 calories per match? They're not moving at all, but they're using their brain and they burn that many calories. Have you seen that stat? I haven't seen this stat, but it doesn't surprise me, right? The brain is the one of the biggest consumers of car of carbohydrates, and so you'll see in a, you'll you'll see Kipchoge, you know, he'll take a drink mix at uh, at at mile um, twenty five, and be like, dude, you've got only one mile left to go. Why 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 the drink? More than anything, he's doing that just to send a carbohydrate sensation to the brain to get he'll you'll see you know he'll he'll kind of just slosh that around in his mouth and maybe, you know, spit out 90% of it and just sort of slosh a little bit around and, and toss the bottle away. It's mainly just a, a cue for him to get carbohydrates, uh, get that sugar feeling back in the mind again, because that's really the first, the first thing to go. So um, yes, I, that, that's, that stat doesn't, doesn't uh, surprise me. As you were talking there, another thing came into my head about how fueling isn't just about feeling good within the workout, but when you top off your glycogen stores and make sure your carbs are up, you actually can recover from the session better, right? Because you're not depleted going out of the session as much. And so even to use an example uh, for my workout today, I had some Morton, I had a gel, I had a drink mix. So because my glycogen stores are higher, I'm hopefully going to feel better for the run tomorrow than I would if I didn't have any carbs or any fuel or any sugars or whatnot. Can you speak to that aspect of fueling in Morton, how it's not just about fueling within the rep, but it's also about recovery from rep to rep and workout to workout because Brian, as you know, from your really high quality running career, the workouts are important, but what's more important is how many workouts can you stack up on top of each other and how can you go into each workout feeling better than you did the previous? And in my opinion, in my experience, one of the best ways to do that is making sure you're being properly fueled within the workout, before the workout, after the workout. 
spot on and not a whole lot more value to, to add to your, your, your points there. You, you nailed it. But I think it does go back to the point you discussed earlier about carb is a four letter word, because I think there's a fear that I'm taking in all these supplementary carbs. Uh, I'm afraid that, or I've heard that the sugar that doesn't get used get, is going to get stored as fat. Right. And I, again, we have to, we, we have to qualify that especially in the context of runners that, that you, uh, like you and, and that, and that our audiences that you guys are, are, are high octane machines and you are constantly burning carbs, both to fuel workouts and to your point, repair and recover. So there doesn't need to be this fear that these extra carbs are getting stored as fat. You need these carbs at 100% to be able to help with the repair and, and, and quality of, of, of future workouts. Brian, this is an audio only podcast, but one of my favorite things that you've done, I'm not sure if you came up with it. If you did, good on you. Very, very uh, impressive and genius in my opinion. Your sponge analogy for hydrogel and how it works with Morton. There you go. He's got the sponge for people listening. Can you explain uh, explain Morton via sponge? Well, I love that you use good on you too, because that's an Aussieism. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I lived in Australia for, for, for several years. So I'm full of these uh, analogies and slightly irreverent takes on, on things as, as the Aussies will testify to. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, hydrogel, uh, technology that's been around for the better part of 40 years in food and, and medicine, um, it's a little hard to, to, to talk about. It really ultimately has to be experienced. And the Kenyans, you know, call it the magic drink and the magic gel because it disappears. Well, why it disappears in their, their stomach? And so why, why is that? And I think the best analogy is, is that we're able to trap these carbohydrates in a sponge. We're able to trap carbs, water, caffeine if we want to, salt. We can trap that all in a sponge that enables that to go right from the stomach into the intestine for rapid oxidation. So this old refrain of you are what you eat is not true. It's you are what you can digest. It's what, it's what you can oxidize. So when we're in the stomach, we're technically not in the body. And so the challenge for athletes is, especially working at a high intensity, is how do you get energy in, in the form of food out of the stomach and into the body, into the bloodstream? And so the, you know, we always knew sugar was, we always knew sugar is our go energy. Carbs are our go energy. But the problem is, is that when carbs are floating around loosely and they're not trapped in something or encased in something that signals the stomach to digest and a mucus molecule has to come and digest that, that sugar molecule. And that takes time and that takes energy. And, and so you're, and you combine that with the stress hormones that are going, that are, that are happening in the body with blood needing to go to the muscles. And now you're asking blood to come to the stomach to digest. You combine that with the, with the mechanical aspect of running of arms going up and down. And so you, now you have this sloshing effect. Um, we have to we, we have to mitigate this uh, the, the, this issue of free floating sugars in in the stomach. How do we get those sugars trapped and into the intestine rapidly so we can oxidize? And so the answer is hydrogel that provides this sponge that prevents that sugar from touching stomach acid and actually tricks the stomach more more accurately. It tricks the stomach into thinking it's water, thinking that this sugar is is water. 
it, 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 this, this, this matrix of, of sugar and water and salt and caffeine, it makes the stomach think that it's water. And what does the stomach do when it thinks it's water? It immediately starts to empty it into the intestine. So uh, if in the case, if it is water, you feel like you have to go to the bathroom about 20 minutes later. But in the in, in it, we're not water, we're gel. Um, and that we're in a gel, we're actually able to uh, trick the body again into thinking that it's water, but actually we become very rapid energy. So we're looking at mitigating the gastrointestinal distress. And then PS, we're going to the, the, the intestine about 21 minutes in, in about 21 minutes, as opposed to 45 minutes that we take with this whole digestive process that I've been talking about, um, where, you know, you have, you know, mucus and, and, and all of these, 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 these factors. You brought it up at the end of your response there, and I was just about to bring it up how Morton, you know, it takes roughly 21 minutes to hit your intestine versus other companies or other formulas. It'll take between 45 and 60 minutes. That's the difference between a 230 marathon and completely bonking and, you know, dropping out of your race, quite frankly. Um, and so that has always been one of the most impressive facts in statistics about the product to me. I'm curious from your perspective as an employee and then also even before your time hearing about Morton, are you ever shocked with how just impressive the technology is? And I think on our last podcast with each other, you maybe referenced, pardon me if I'm wrong, but Morton as like a biotech company and how you guys solve problems. So can you speak to just how impressive the product is that the engineers i'm not sure like the technical terms for the team but like everything you just described there it sounds like poetry in motion i mean it's truly remarkable that this was created well the team would be uh super thrilled to hear that um it is it's a biotech company and it's a research company so as much as i'm uh, taken with uh our, our our technology it's actually quite simple and uh and and the the swedes it's so it's a company from sweden and we're based in gothenburg which is you know the, the technology hub of sweden and uh you know if there's one thing we know about swedes it's where the nobel peace prize comes from and so they're thinkers they're they're very and and um you know i I told you, I, I said this story before, working for Nike, I used to always be uh, so excited to see people's offices with the stuff coming in four years from now and cool technologies and midsoles and foams, all this stuff, you know, dangling from people's desks. I figured I was going to see the same thing with Morton after the Breaking 2 project and I joined the company. I was going to see cauldrons, bubbling, beakers, <laughs> test tubes, all this kind of stuff. And no, you go into headquarters and it's a bunch of guys reading papers and, uh, and, and, but it's a research company. And so, and, and we, we understand again, that we're really trying to find the root cause of what is preventing athletes from reach exhausting their potential and seeing what's been done in the past and seeing what doesn't work and seeing if we can tweak that, uh, to, uh, find, to find a solution that makes sense and is validated and authenticated through, through research. The, the M on our, uh, on our, on our logo, you'll see underneath it is a little dot and that dot physically um, uh, represents, uh, it's a nod to one of our first products, the hydrogel bead. So when we first discovered hydrogel, we said, let's put it in this bead form that could essentially act as a time release, which was really cool and ahead of its time. It, be, it was a little bit too expensive and hard to manufacture it at, at scale. 
But figuratively, that dot came to represent the small spaces where we see no one is playing. And how can we exploit that and create a, a product or service in that space to help athletes break through? So we're not about being the sea of sameness of all the other companies out there to create another banana, mango, raspberry, espresso gel. We're not putting another vitamin in vitamin water. We are lo- we, we're, we're looking at where is no one else playing? Let's play there and let's uh, and let's find the holy grail in that space to really help athletes break through. And so we've been able to do that in the carbohydrate space through hydrogel. As I said, a simple, uh, a fairly simple application of food technology of seaweed and, and, and fruit peels, alginate and pectin. OK, that protect carbohydrates. We said, hey, if this can protect sugar, this can also protect another old wives tale, baking soda that we've known for the better part of 70 years can help to buffer the acid, uh, the acid, the acid balance in the body, the the pH balance, uh, which we know can uh, prevent athletes uh, from, you know, reaching high levels of power in the anaerobic sports. Well, if we can protect sugar with hydrogel, can we protect baking soda so that the athlete can buffer, you know, more of the the acid that, that's coming on? And can this mean two seconds in a 1500, one second in an 800? And we're seeing this happen with our new bicarbonate system that we just brought out in February, where you're seeing the world you're seeing the world record fall um, in the two kilometer last week with Ingebrigtsen in Brussels, Kip Yagen in the mile in the 5K, uh, the uh, uh, the American records from uh, Nagus and uh, the and the UK record of. Uh, of um, uh, Keely Hodgkinson, all of these, you know, this is bi- bicarb is the new frontier, and we've always it's it's been we've 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 found the holy grail in this because you can't just take a spoonful of of baking soda to uh, to, to to buffer acid without having severe diarrhea or gastrointestinal distress. So, yeah, this it, 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 to long long story short, yes. The, uh, a simple technology, but massive, massive application. And that's that's what's so impressive about, about Morton is how we're able to take these simple technologies, but apply them to a performance space. Brian, you did answer this earlier on, but I do want to kind of revisit it with a more specific question. So when people think of Morton or fueling or gels or drink mixes, I think the majority of people think marathon, maybe half marathon, but really marathon and not. They're thinking of Kipchoge drinking it on his way to sub two. They're thinking of maybe a lot of people know this stat, maybe they don't, but it's one of my favorite statistics. Over 75% of elite marathon fields choose to fuel with Morton, uh, which is truly a testament to how amazing the product is. But I think very, very, very few people think of it in relation to the shorter distances, you mentioned Keeley in the 800. She's also run the 400 really, really well this year. You mentioned Jakob Ingebrigtsen, who, you know, I've been called a fanboy of him in the past. I think he's the greatest runner of our generation and will go on to be, you know, I've said it before, it's a hot take, the greatest distance runner of all time. Uh, just broke the 2K world record, as you mentioned. Can you really hone in on why fueling is not just for the marathon, why the use of Morton products can be beneficial for something as low as the 800, which Keeley is kind of a testament to. Yeah, sure. 
I mean, it's uh, again, going back to carbohydrates, this is our go fuel and it's about training the body. We to, to burn carbohydrates. That's why our slow, we have this cheeky slogan called get used to it. And the, the idea behind that is get used to fueling with carbohydrates and teach your body how to burn carbs because the body, when it comes to high intensity exercise, it needs carbs. But evolutionarily, we are not recreational high intensity people. We, were, we, we, we evolved to only use high intensity for short bouts of effort, as I said, to, for, survive, for, for survival purposes. So we use it today to um, run across the street to beat the, to beat the stoplight, right? We, 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 we utilize carbs to do that. But uh, in order to be able to really use, use carbs um, sustainably, you, act, you, have to te- you have to teach the gut how to, um, how to not only store, but relinquish carbs more freely. And, and, and the body has to be hacked to be able to do that. Because as I said, the body will be very stingy with how much it, it, it releases carbs. So the more carbs you can give it, the more the body says, okay, I'm getting carbs. I can be a little less stingy and, and it frees up more and more to, uh, to, to fuel those high, those high intensity bouts. So for the, for, for the, for the shorter distances, there's not so much a, a, a need to fuel during, but certainly pre to make sure that that tank is topped up after to ensure that we're replenishing those glycogen stores to your point, to make sure that we're repairing and fueling for tomorrow. But I think the other part to this is, is looking at Morton in sort of two different um, uh, categories, looking at us in terms of a sport food through gels, drink mix and solids to give us carbohydrates, but also the other category, and that is ergogenic aids, where we are, where, where we have a product like bicarb, that uh, the bicarb system, which is uh, baking soda, sodium bicarbonate, trapped in a hydrogel, so still trapped in a carbohydrate uh, uh, gel matrix, so giving you some some calories, but but also delivering not carbohydrates in this case, but baking soda to buffer um, the the body's uh, pH so that you can push through in these, these harder efforts. So a, a process that the body uses naturally, but this is, but, but uh, the bicarb helps to amplify um, those, those, those efforts um, by making, making that, that baking soda more tolerable and, and hence being able to buffer um, the acid uh, ionization that happens through, the, through, through uh, running at those higher intensities, especially in the middle distances, 800, 1500, 5K. And then also, maybe to this point, you can elaborate off of what I see here. From my perspective, feel free to disagree. It's more about nailing the training so that you're in as good of shape possible so that you can stand on the line ready to go as fast as possible. And that's where Morton comes in for Jakob Ingebrigtsen. It's him fueling during his tempo runs and interval sessions and going through the systems that you just talked about. And through that, maybe you went from 330 shape to 327 shape. And even if he's not utilizing Morton like crazy on race day, the gains come from the training. And that's where maybe people listening today who run the 5K in high school cross country, maybe they're not going to use it on race day. Although I would personally, you know, maybe have a gel caffeine. Uh, that's what I liked personally back in high school. But besides the point, where you get those gains are from training. And so utilizing Morton within training is ultimately going to help you within the race, even if you don't use it at all on race day. You're connecting all the dots, Dom, 100%. 
we want to practice like we play and train with train with Morton and get uh, and and actually not feel the need to actually overtrain to say, oh, well, I'm fueled now so I can really push those paces beyond my threshold, right? The idea is, is how can we still train at uh, a high level, but at that um, sort of threshold and, and sustainable level, level. It's appropriate and recover so much better, right? Um, and and I think that, that's true in the case of this new bicarb product that we released as well, because people hear, oh, that's two seconds in the 1500, that's one second in the 800, that's amazing, right? But I think to your point, the real gains come from how do we use this in training to actually become more effective at buffering, at, at buffering acid so that the training feels easier, we recover that much better. And so when it comes to racing, we're that much fresher and more, more ready to go. So well said. Brian, something that Moritin utilizes in specific products is the stimulant caffeine. Those who know you know you love your caffeine. Speak on how caffeine can affect performance positively. Sure. I mean, caffeine doesn't, as we know, it doesn't give you energy, um, but it suppresses melatonin and it reduces perceived rate of exertion. So uh, the 100 milligrams that we deliver in a gel 100 calf 100 is essentially, is essentially equal to a cup of coffee. And this can be great uh, to, um, you know, have as a kickoff prior to uh, a hard session or race. As we know, it takes about 21, 21 minutes to, to get into the intestine. So we recommend, you know, taking caffeine during that warm up right before the session. So we finish, uh, for, we finish fourth or fifth period and we need that snack, right? We need, we, we need to get carbs to top up the tank, but we're also kind of feeling like, oh man, I just, you know, uh, solved a, a major proof, right? And uh, so carbs are one thing, but it's another thing to get sort of feel that buzz, right? Because not only feeling that that buzz from a from a, a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint, it can heighten your mood as well. And I feel it can really send you into a session with a little bit more of a positive outlook, where you know sometimes you can just sort of feel lethargic after that day's done, and you know how do I? switch into practice mode and caffeine can be, I think, really effective in, in doing that. And hundred milligrams is a really safe amount to, you know, give yourself that, that, that dose to say, yeah, this is just enough. That's going to just, yeah, light, heighten the mood, um, suppress melatonin, give you that reduced perceived rate of exertion. So, you know, oftentimes coaches saying, you know, this first rep, you know, we want it to be at, 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 at race pace or, you know, he's throwing, throwing, you know, a, a 72 quarter or, or, or something like that at you, you want to be able to feel like you can run that and, and, and continue to, to do that. And, and that, you know, pace should feel somewhat, somewhat easy and light. And so, um, I think caffeine is very effective there, there uh, for longer runs too. Um, it's, we've, we've seen that, you know, 100 can kind of be the price of entry, but there's merit to microdosing caffeine as well. So the ability to, you know, kick off the morning with a cup of coffee, as I like to do, I like to have a real cup of coffee, not necessarily a gel first thing when I wake up, but I love having a steamy hot cup of coffee. That'll give me a hundred milligrams. And then, you know, it might be two hours before I actually reach my long run destination. And so the ability then to microdose another hundred milligrams on top of that will just help to sustain that caffeine buzz in perpetuity um, rather than, you know, kind of risk crashing on caffeine. Studies show that 
continue to microdose and give yourself these 100 bursts of, uh, of caffeine to sort of sustain that power, especially if you're going, you know, on a, on a 16, 16 mile run, it helps to have that caffeine in the later stages to just maintain, maintain that pace. I found that that effective to alternate regular gel and caffeinated gel every 6k to sort of sustain that half-life of caffeine. Brian, another subject I want to bring up before we close out today's episode is the subject of hydration. It's something that is well talked about, and I think it's starting to be talked about more. It's something I talk about. Um, It's crazy how many people are dehydrated, but I think a lot of people confuse hydration with fueling, uh, quite frankly. I should have covered this probably earlier on in the episode, but we're getting to it later on. Can you explain the difference between hydration and fueling, how they're two completely separate things, and also... You're a man of many analogies. I love them all. I believe for this one, I've heard the car analogy, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's a really good one if you remember it. Right. And yeah, Morton is, we're, we're unapologetically fuel, but we can do, we can do both. We're, we're not just about hydration. We're about carbohydration. We can do, we can do both. And I think the best way to think, the best way to think about this is, yeah, thinking about a, a, a car having its fluid tank and its gas tank, Right. And so uh, we know hydration, we know hydration is important, but when you think about a fluid tank on a car, um, your what I'm talking about, the brake fluid, the, the um, engine fluid, the transmission fluid, the oil, right? These don't need to be topped up as much. So uh, it's important to, before you're going on a road trip, make sure that the levels are good on those, but very rarely do we find ourselves every week having to top these things up. And so it's same with hydration. All the studies out there say that we're actually overhydrated and probably underfueled, and that really uh, key is is to drink to thirst, right? And I always like to use the rule of three bathroom breaks, right? Drink enough to where you're going to go to the bathroom three times before your session or race to get to get everything out. But at that point, after that third bathroom break and everything is coming out clear, you pretty much know you're hydrated, and there isn't a lot of merit, especially at the high school and collegiate level, for the kinds of races that we're doing of you know, 5K, 8K cross country, 10K, 10K at most, maybe half marathon. There isn't a lot of merit to hydrating during during these races. The body actually is hydrated um, through just drinking to thirst beforehand. As I said, topping up those fluids. What isn't what what we know burns more rapidly though is the body's fuel tank that constantly needs to be replenished as we talked about we're always we're always burning fuel we constantly need to be be topping that up um and so here's where you know we need to make sure that we have some kind of supplementary carbohydrate source that we can that we can take in to top us up keep us sustained especially if it's for if if it's for the longer longer races what i love is that we but uh, we can we can kind of do both and that's where our drink mixes come into play where uh, we the the drink mix as we know is a long form of gel it turns into hydrogel when it hits the when it hits the stomach acid but at the 160 level of our drink mix we actually have a higher ratio of water to gel so you can actually see this as a hydration solution for you to make sure you're getting the best of both worlds to make sure you're getting 40 grams of carbohydrate and a little bit of water so my hack for the students out there that are in that that have uh, are in lunch to uh, between lunch and practice. It's the water. It's the Morton bottle at your desk with drink mix 160. We're sipping on that for 
fourth, fifth, sixth period of getting in those carbohydrates and drink to make sure we're getting to practice topped up with, as I said, at least 40 grams of carbohydrate. That's going to send us into practice feeling topped up. If we want to do a gel of 25 grams on top of that to get to 65 grams, all the better if coach has us at, you know, zone five for, for this type of session, for, for that session, all the better. But I think we, but, but a drink mix 160 is really that perfect Goldilocks to be able to give you a little bit of hydration and fueling. But you are right. It is important to delineate between, between hydration and, and fueling. We all, we, we index more toward, more toward fueling and making sure that athletes have the, the, those, those uh, uh, are meeting those carbohydrate needs. Um, but we, but, but with our drink mix, we are able to make sure that the athlete does get some complimentary hydration. Brian, two final questions for you. The first question I have for you, and I will link to all the things you just mentioned in a minute, uh, in the show notes for people who want to scroll down easily and click on whatever links Brian mentions here, but what would you recommend? Where would you recommend people go from here? Maybe the fuel guide or any more resources or things that people can check out. What would be, um, some resources you would uh, suggest people check out today after hearing the conversation, after hearing about Morton and fueling, what would be some things you'd recommend they check out? You said it, the fuel guide on Morton.com is the source code. And we've actually just updated it to include a lot more sessions uh, across running, cycling and triathlon um, in, in all those different hemispheres that I talked about. So anaerobic sports, uh, as so the, the shorter distance events, uh, that can feature how bicarb can come to life. Um, uh, the traditional road, uh, road events of 5k, 10k cross country, and then the ultra events. So ultra, ultra running, um, gravel cycling, etc. So this shows you, um, what, uh, types of products you can take at what intervals to reach these 40, 50, 60, 90 gram carbohydrate levels that we talk about as needed to prevent underperformance. Brian, one final question for you. What would be your final take home message to those listening today? I, I said it before and I'll say it again. Morton, do you want to show up or do you want to break through? Morton is a high octane fuel for athletes that want to break through. We're unapologetically, we're unapologetic about performance. We want to be there for the athlete that wants to run a personal best. And that's subjective, right? Uh, a fast is not just a metric. It's a mindset too. So it's about effort. If you're going, if you're training in these zone three to zone five levels and you're looking and, and you're, you're, you're ambitious and you're looking to break through and curious about what your body can teach you, we want to be the fuel for that. Uh, and we're best positioned to do that because we have the best delivery system to be able to do that. We're very, we have the similar ingredients to all the other brands out there. It's sugar. All right. There's no, let's have no illusions here. It's monosaccharide sugar. All right. But it's the delivery mechanism that we've created that enables this sugar to get to your system quickly and allow you to break through and experience that majesty of effortless strides. Brian, uh, I said one final question for you, but one final, final question for you. I'm forgetting if I asked you this in last episode, but I'll ask it again regardless. The question I ask every single guest on every single show, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over to your house for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? 
I'm a simple guy, you know. I love, I, I love, I, I love my carbs. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've traveled to, Af- I, I've traveled to Africa um, over the past couple years, and I love Ethiopian food. I love Kenyan food. I love how they deliver. I, I love their carbohydrate-based uh, foods. Ugali for the Kenyans, injera for the Ethiopians, Mor- uh, couscous for the Moroccans. They've all found a way to deliver simple carbohydrates in a real food form. And so if Ramsey comes over, I'm asking him to do uh, a a cornucopia of all of these dishes from from Africa to meet these carbohydrate needs. I love it. I love it. Well, Brian, I appreciate uh, science classes always, always learning new things from you. And uh, more importantly, the positive spirit and vibes that you bring are always unmatched. So I'm walking away from this one with a big smile on my face, which uh, always happens when I get a chat and, and sit down with you. You're always bringing the high energy and joy. So I appreciate it. And thank you for all the wisdom that you shared with us today. And uh, looking forward to all the things that you accomplish within your life, within your career, as well as Morton. It's cool to see them continue to crush it. So appreciate it, man. Thank you, Dom. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at the running effect. I hope your running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.